Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Sure as hell has some butterscotch, but Reese's is pretty solid. Snickers. Reese's. You know, it's Halloween time when you have videos of NFL players telling you their favorite candy. It's the only time of year that it's nationally relevant, even though we eat candy all the time, all year long. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, well, every once in a while you'd have an extra quarter and you'd run to the store and get yourself a candy bar, or a dime, or a nickel, or whatever it was back. Don't. I didn't even get started. They knew where you were going. It was predictable. Anyway, it was predictable. A nickel. <laughs> you could get a Hershey's for a nickel. A nickel. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Halloween was always special because that was when you got to be a glutton with the candy. Like, it was candy sparingly throughout the year. Right. But for that one night and whatever you managed to have left, the next night, the next night, the next night, it, it like, gradually became just the crap you really don't want, but you're going to eat it because it's candy. It's candy, right. I never threw any of it out. Come on. But it was the stuff that you just don't want. But, yeah, that was... When you're 12 and younger, I mean, one of your life missions, like literally every day, is candy. I mean, it really is. Like, no matter what it is, I'm dealing. I deal with it with my son now. He'll he's 12. He'll done with football practice. Can you take me to the store? Why? Get some snacks, right? He wants to get something to suck on later. Whatever. It's constant candy, 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 candy. It's amazing how it overtakes 
you, you as a young child. It really is. And I'm, I'm seeing it now because we're getting close to Halloween, too, here, where it, it happens just like you're talking about in my house. I steal out of the kids' stash. You know, it gets down to the part they don't want. And they're just, you know, every night I can't help it. I start to stick my hand in there, even with the candies I don't like. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great and horrible time of the year all, all, at, one, all at one point here. One of the great lessons I learned growing up came from my sister, who showed me how to find my parents' candy stash at any given time. The non-obvious places where a bag of fun-size Snickers possibly would be hidden. And where were and they, they hidden? Them, like, where, where, where was fun it? Fun-size. Well, it, it depended. There would be spots in the kitchen. Right. Move you know, it in inside the corner of a, of a cabinet. pot. Okay. Under the lid. Right. Right. Or right. there was a there was a, a a cabinet in the bedroom, like where the you know the the clothes are and stuffed back in there. So I learned to become very creative when it comes to finding stuff that's hidden in the house. Right. And and those. Like now, the Snickers, the little Snickers are tiny little nothing, one bite. They used to be decent yes, size, right. like a third of a bar, exactly. and every bit as wide as a normal Snickers yes, bar. They've right. gotten smaller and smaller over right. But those, that was the holy grail. Charge if I could the find same. the hidden Snickers <laughs> in the house, that was great. So now, here's the I don't know if it's irony or not, because I rarely do. Down in my barn, I have a candy stash that I try to keep hidden from my kid and his friends because I know. <laughs> When they're down there, anything that isn't nailed down gets devoured. Right. So the other night we were down watching the Bears-Patriots game, and I wanted some candy. And I go through this this dilemma. Do I show them where there's candy candy in the vicinity? Because once they know, they'll do whatever they have to do to find it. Yeah, it's gone. And I finally, I my desire to have some candy finally overcame my desire to protect the rest of the candy. So now I got to go buy more candy. Yeah, right. They just stick their hands in there. So what? What was the candy that you're like? What's your candy of choice that you're hiding in the barn there? Like, what? What is it? Well, like George Costanza, who dresses according to mood. Right. My candy choices are just based on mood. I've. I've kind of rediscovered Skittles lately. Okay, as an alternative wow. to chocolate, right? Snack, but but I do like I do like Twix. Yeah. I like Snickers. Yeah, I I I really like, and I know this gets the piano going again. I really love those caramel creams with the oh, I know block yeah. of concentrated sugar in the middle. There it's, it is. Everybody your age it's loves that, those candies. It's, it's, it's hilarious, that, but it's not quite the <laughs> Werther's Originals. It's right. not quite gotten to that level yet. But that block of concentrated sugar in the middle gives you that that sugar high for like five minutes, and then you want another one. My nephew, who's fifteen, loves those. I mean, when he's here, they're gone. When they, last Thursday night, I had some. Not anymore. They're gone. So, so like peanut butter cups, nothing like that. Like, weren't you weren't you shocked how Reese's? Like they say, Reese's the Bills players that dominated Reese's. But there's Reese's pieces. And Reese's Pieces and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, right? I mean, first off, yeah. Peanut Butter Cups are probably going to be my top choice. If I have, like, chocolate, something chocolate around, that's what I'm going to go with. I like them frozen. You like them frozen? I do I like them frozen. frozen. I'm sure, I like them anyway. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you can't beat it. All right. The Reese's Pieces, I remember <laughs> when the Reese's Pieces came out. We, we've, we've only wasted five minutes of yeah, everyone's we're good. life. This is no, fun. I thought you we were done this. talking. Good. I good. need to go get some candy. Uh, I remember when the Reese's Pieces came out. Because I was like, wait, I really like M&M's. 
And I really like Reese Cups. So this Reese's Pieces thing, I yeah. mean, this is like they're on, is they're on to something here. Yeah, I never liked them. I was disappointed by them from the first time I had one. Et got it all wrong. He had he the, 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 with that big old finger like yours trying to get the Reese's Pieces. I never liked them. Sorry, Reese's. I love the cups. Love the cops. But you, I, I, how do you not and like? Seasonal, you don't even like them. The you don't even. It's the same egg damn thing. It doesn't taste the same. There's something about it. I don't. I just don't like them. There's something about the chocolate peanut butter balance in the Reese's pieces that I don't like. Never did it for me. From the first time I had it, I was very disappointed. And maybe it's just that psychological thing that I thought this is going to be the greatest candy that you could ever have because M and M's are great and Reese cups are great, and they found a way to combine the two. And it just, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah. Just didn't do it. Yeah. A Starburst. I was, I was chewing on some Starburst the other night, too. And you get those little packs with two in there, so you don't know which ones you're getting. So it's like a little gamble every time, and you're trying to avoid the orange ones. <laughs> Why do they even make the orange ones? Who likes the orange ones? I like the orange one. I'm right here. Oh, there we go. I'm right here. I'm a guy that likes the orange one. I do. Yes. I feel bad for the orange one. Everyone's always trying to get rid of them, all right? <laughs> I collect Just them. Just give me a bowl yeah. of all yeah. orange How dare Starburst. us underrated together, me and the orange ones. I, I do. I, they're not my favorite. I would say red and, and maybe the pink are my second favorite Starburst. I like yellow. Yellow's got... Yellow's that got little, that little, little tang kick to, it. to it. A little kick. It's a little it does. kick. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> okay. Orange just kind of got forgotten. Like three isn't enough. We need one more. How about orange? Maybe it came down to orange and green. And they probably made a good choice because I, so. I can't imagine what the green would taste like. Yeah, we don't need watermelon yeah. there. Yeah, right. it's good. They, 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 uh, they've got a good formula. Let's get to why we're here. Let's PS2 do Live. it. Presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Good morning to our audience on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL in London. Hopefully all these various candies are available in the UK and in Ireland and also our podcast listeners whenever, wherever, however you may be. Well, Chris. He's back. He's back. He's back at it because it's never his fault. It's always someone else's fault. And how dare anyone suggest that the legacy of Aaron Rodgers is in any way tarnished by the substandard performance of those around him? We got some stuff to unpack. The safe space that Rodgers is provided every Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show. Not so safe yesterday because Rodgers doing himself no favors with how he answered some of the questions that he was asked. Here's Pat McAfee asking Rodgers how close the three and four Green Bay Packers are to figuring out their struggles in 2022. How close are you? We hear people talk about like different players about their team. Oh, we're really close, even though they may be losing some games. Okay, we're close. We're almost there. We just got to figure it out. Do you feel like you guys are close and it's just one player here or there? It's definitely not just one play here or there. Like I said, it's you know twenty percent of the time. If if we have fifty plays and we have ten mental uh, misassignments or mental errors, that's twenty percent of the time. So that's way too high. You know, in the past, we're looking more like at uh, you know less than ten percent. So it gives us you know a really good chance to be successful. Twenty percent that's too high. You know, that's you know that's uh, you know one play a series where you're really making it tough on yourself so we got to fix that and whatever that is i think you know guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing you know we gotta gotta start cutting some reps and maybe guys who aren't playing uh give them a chance 
wasn't McAfee that asked the question. Obviously, it was A.J. Hawk, co-host with McAfee and former teammate of Aaron Rodgers. Here's what this reminded me of. And there's a lot we can say about this, and I'm sure there's a lot we will say. The first thing I thought of when I saw this, it reminded me of the stuff that Rodgers was saying five years ago, maybe six, yeah, which sparked right. his memorable comment about me the day he resisted, didn't want to give me the satisfaction, didn't want to mention my name, finally did, and said, don't waste your time reading that crap. That all traced to the fact that he was saying things like this publicly, and I was connecting the obvious dots that trace back to his head coach, Mike McCarthy. There's not enough energy on the sidelines during the games. Well, whose job is it to ensure that there's energy on the sidelines of a football game? Whose, whose job is it ultimately to make sure there's enough energy? And then Rogers also said in that same time frame, guys aren't afraid of losing their jobs if they don't perform. Well, who's responsible for that? The team that traces back to Vince Lombardi barking on the sideline, grab, 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 right? It's the head coach. And I made that connection, and I'm the asshole. Oops. Sorry. But but it was an obvious connection to make. Sure. And and so what's he saying now? He's saying the coaches aren't doing their jobs. You got to get the guys off the field who are making mistakes. They're making mistakes 20% of the time. One out of every five plays, they're making a mistake, and the coaches aren't doing anything about it. That's really what he's saying, Chris. Uh, Mike, I don't disagree. Uh, honestly, Mike, it's, it's exactly where my head went. You know, I, I, it's one thing to say, hey, we got to clean things up, and you know, we got guys making mistakes and going there. But get to get, you got specific, I mean, into, you know, somewhat general numbers about the mistakes, obviously. He's obviously not happy. He obviously doesn't feel like whatever he's complaining about or doesn't like on film is getting through to the rest of the organization. The fact that he has to come out so hard and make these, you know, comments publicly. Uh, you know, first off, yeah, it is weird. You know, that, that you know, a quarterback of, of his stature kind of always giving the State of the Union address as far as how the football team is. But I think, Mike, that's where I went with this one there. I mean, this goes beyond like, hey, we got some young guys. They got to keep up here. They're not doing a good enough job to, you know, yes, you're borderline not happy with now with the way the coach is coaching the football team. And it, to me, it seems like it goes back to the old conversation from last week, which was simplify. See, he still wants that. And obviously, I'm guessing through the game, it still wasn't simple enough. So he's going to continue to call out these mistakes. And this week, he goes up you know, to another level. And yeah, within doing that, that's where he's got to be careful. It's not a good look because it does look like he's throwing the coaches under the bus. It does, for all the reasons you stated. And that's where people are tired of Aaron Rodgers right now more than anything. And I honestly, I don't get it either. I don't. I mean, it's a little too much, uh, even for a guy like me who you know loves Aaron Rodgers. I think back to how Peyton Manning got criticized for tiptoeing around the well, yeah, issue offensive of line having, issues. Right. Right. I'm trying to be a good teammate here, but let's just say we had some some problems with protection. Right. That's almost an exact the Steelers and, playoff loss. And that was treated as, oh, my gosh, why are you doing that? Right. How far we've come in 17 years that, that Rodgers is just burying his soul. And, again, it's not the first time. This is what – and you may, be, you may be on the list now with me. The, the, the Ryan 
Howard gif from The Office where he's checking off the names. You, you may be on the list with me for joining me in this idea that he's calling out his coaches by saying this. This this isn't what you're supposed to do. This isn't what makes you part of the team. This is what separates you from team. This is what puts you above your peers. You think these guys in the locker room are going to welcome him with open arms today for practice? And, and of course, you know what will happen. He'll be standing in that same spot. We've seen it for, for 17 years now. In front of the locker, all the wood behind him, smirking and talking to the beat writers who are, you know, they, they, hey, they, they got to they maintain the peace with Aaron Rodgers. So they're, they're going to throw him some softballs. And hey, what were you, what, what did you mean yesterday, Aaron? So there are some national talking heads that are suggesting that, that you're calling out your coaches. I've been saying that's crazy. Will you say how crazy it is, Aaron? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's going to go on today. So we're, we're going to be right in line to get some of the, some, <laughs> we're going to get some of the business from every direction. Well, yeah, yeah, we are, you know, but, but again, and, and Mike, to, to what you're saying, I, I bet he walks in the locker room. I, I mean, first off, I don't think he's a guy that's disliked by his teammates. I don't. He's going to get there, though, he, if he keeps well, doing this. He's definitely going to have some in, the, in that locker room and probably has had some in just about every locker room where there's a few that just go, yeah, I don't really like that guy or, you know, I wish he wouldn't say some of those things, but... You know, the, the other thing, too, is the fact that he feels the need to address it. I will say in that in that manner, I mean, maybe there is something to address there that he just doesn't feel like it's getting done. And I wouldn't be shocked that if there's some veteran players who maybe pat him on the back and like, good that you said that, you know, but we need to have everybody a little more accountable here. Of course, he's not going to get that same pat on the back from the young guys or the guys that are making the mistakes and, and not doing as much. You know, that, that's, that's the issue. Does it divide Chris, the locker room a little bit? Definitely. Right. right. But don't, don't – I, and we've, we've seen him do this before. This year, back in training camp, the young guys, uh, they, they need to step up. They need to be more focused. And I've always thought that he uses public platforms as a way to send messages that he has tried to send – privately that's, and it hasn't that's worked what i'm saying remember how right. remember how he manipulated the whole audible thing yes right right he, he made that into a public issue so he could get his way and and i'm starting to wonder does he really exhaust all internal available remedies before he starts dropping bombs I publicly? right i'm starting to wonder whether he just goes straight to the easy solution I'm going to go out there and I'm going to blame everybody else and I'm going to say it's not me and I'm going to say I'm great and the rest of them aren't and somebody's got to clean up this mess because I'm doing my job. Why doesn't everybody else do theirs? That's not what he said, but that's the message. So if I'm Matt, if I'm Matt LaFleur, the coach of the team, I've had enough of this guy right now. I'm trying to coach a football team here, an entire team, and I don't need this guy with his weekly radio spot saying whatever he wants to say to create problems for me. Because if you're Matt LaFleur and you're in that chair where you're running the operation and your quarterback is out there saying this stuff, it does not make your life easier. It makes your life harder. Because now you got to deal with that on top of everything else you're dealing with, trying to get ready to go to Buffalo where you sense you're going to get your ass kicked on Sunday night anyway. Now you got this to deal with because your quarterback's got a case of diarrhea of the mouth and he decides he's going to go off on all these things. If I'm Matt LaFleur, I am pissed. Now, maybe he finds a way to serenity now it deep down into his soul, and I think he's done that a lot since he's been in Green Bay. He's found a way to, to contain a lot 
of frustration and manage relationships. But man, at some point, I'm sitting that guy down and I'm telling him what's what, and I'm telling him to shut his effing mouth. Uh, I mean, th- that won't happen. That won't. Now, Matt, it needs to. Well, maybe Matt Lafleur can find a way to say something along those lines. Mike, I'm I'm with you too. I don't know if he exhausts these things either behind the scenes or if he just comes out with them and says them publicly to put pressure on the situation. I got the I got the impression from last week after the Jets game when he said the simplify thing that that was something that was off the cuff and maybe caught Matt LaFleur off guard a little bit or or certainly just with Matt LaFleur's reaction the next day as far as what does that mean that that to me when he said that meant like well, there must have not must not have been much of a conversation about this beforehand. That it was just called out, you know, after the fact during after a game where there was some mistakes and things didn't look good. But again, I like Rodgers and his honesty. I do in a lot of ways. But this is when like going on, going, you know, being too honest goes too far. Like it, it, you're not. I don't think you're necessarily doing your team or getting what you want done to help your team. You know, I don't think you're doing anything, doing anything good along those lines by taking this approach. That would be what I say. To your point, now Matt LaFleur's got to answer those questions. To your point, now guys in the locker room are going to be, you know, kind of talking about, I mean, Ray Rogers, you know, hey, he called, you know, called, called out the coaches again yesterday. Oh, 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 he called out some of the young guys. Is it cause like little drama in the locker room that way? Distraction, whatever you want to say? Of course it does. And, and then add on top of it, you know, it just gets tired. It gets tired. Again, as the guy who sat here and defended Aaron Rodgers as the greatest of all time forever, I get sick of this. It just it doesn't look good for him as a guy that wants to root for him and be seen in a good way. Yeah, well, that's where it's just it's, it is frustrating. And it seems like it's always something like this around him that we got to talk about. And I think that's where I get tired of it. You get tired of it, and a lot of fans are tired of it. All you got to do is go on social media and read some of the stuff there. And let's be clear. This isn't start pouncing on a guy who's down. I've been waving this flag around for a while now, and I'll say it when he's playing great, and I'll say it when he's not playing great. If he steps out of line and starts talking about things that he should not be talking about publicly, and he's sending messages, and the messages are obvious. See, Chris, I... I'm thinking back to the storyline that led to him calling me out. And, and look, oh, you're just mad he called you out. No, I love it. It's great. It's given me years of content. It's awesome. Um, but he wants to be able to vent. He wants to be able to send his message. And he doesn't want to be called on it. He wants it to be subtle enough that no one will say, hey, man, you're calling your head coach out. You're suggesting your head coach isn't doing his job. So what he did yesterday, he's saying that there are players on the field that should be benched, have their reps cut. They should be benched for making these mistakes. And he's calling out his coach for failing to do what Aaron Rodgers thinks he should do. Bench the players who are making these mistakes at a rate of 20%, not 2%. 20 percent one out of every five plays somebody is committing a brain fart that is causing us to not do because it's not me we're going to get to that quote though it's not me i'm great somebody else is messing up this machinery and this is just hey hey 
I'm fine with strategically using whatever means are available to get your message across. And right. sometimes public platform is the way to do it. But when you start doing it too often, that's why I'm thinking it looks non-gratuitous, sir. Yeah. I have a feeling that this isn't something where he's saying, I've tried everything I can and I'm doing this this one time. There's too many of these this one time I'm going to go public with my frustration. And and I just I, I can't imagine, you know, we've, we've wondered from time to time about an alternate universe where Aaron Rodgers is coached by Bill Belichick and how many championships they would have won. Not as many as they did with Tom Brady, because at some point Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have been able to deal with Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick wouldn't have been able to deal with Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers would have had to get himself in line because Belichick would have told him. Well, that's what's what. what's where I, that's, that's where where I, well, that's where I'd push you back, push back on that notion. I mean, you know, right. I, you know, he'd be groomed. He'd differently. have to comply. He'd, well, he'd right. have to comply. Right. I mean, we're seeing Brady away from Belichick. He's a pain in the ass, too. Right, that's he got, true. He's a pain that's in the true. ass. I mean, that's period. Uh, I guarantee there's people down there in Tampa are like, whoa, I, we, we've had enough of him too. Yeah, go ahead. He'd have to submit. He'd have to submit. He'd have to submit. No to doubt about it. There's no doubt yeah. about it. You're right. And then that's the part where we'd all go, well, let's get some popcorn. That'd be interesting to see if he'd yeah. ever submit. But Mike, I mean, you know, you know, I'm with you here on this this argument all the way. And there is ways. Like you, you, you kind of referenced it. What he said back in the end of August, maybe it was early September, when he kind of brought up that the young receivers, you know, can't make mistakes. That was a good tactical way to put a little poker, you know, into the into the butt of the the wide receivers. And hey, hey, we got to be a little bit better. Got to stop the mistakes. We can't have a drop every day of practice. That was great. You know, now we're. We're going into week eight in the NFL. You know, there's there's some flickering of some fire alarm, you know, and, and some red lights going on in Green Bay right now. Like, it doesn't look good. And then it doesn't look good, too, I think, when you add on everything you've said, everything I've said, and really the most basic premise of NFL football locker room talk and hierarchy is, okay, yes, you're Aaron Rodgers, you're the man, and you can say a lot of things that a lot of guys in that locker room can't say, but, but. Like right now, okay, being paid $50 million a year, uh, you're not playing that great either to start being calling out other people. I, uh, I understand there's mistakes made there and everything, but you're also being paid $50 million a year to go a little bit above and beyond than, well, I threw the great three-yard slant. I threw the great two-yard pass here. Ooh, I checked to the screen pass. And that's where I would throw the challenge flag and go, man, for what you're being paid and your expectations and what I expect of you as a player, you're playing less than, whether it's a, a lot of the plays that you've you know heard me talk about or we've shown on this show, where, hey, you're making $50 million a year. Pat the ball one extra time. Stop having happy feet and looking to throw the ball two yards at the flat. There's a guy open in the middle of the field for 20 yards. You know, Those are the things, again, even if there's some mistakes here and there that – Aaron Rodgers for what you're being paid, your legacy, everything like that, that you got to be the guy that makes the team overcome some of these issues. Again, like Mahomes and Allen have dealt with issues the last few years. We, we don't care. They don't care. Joe Burrow hasn't been protected since he's walked in the NFL. He's just throwing bombs and touchdowns everywhere on everybody. And, that's, and he never says boo, boo about the offensive line that from time to so, time sucks. Right. He and never then, says a word and, about it. And then he makes plays where you go, wait, he just got crushed in the head seven times in a row, and here he goes, oh, well, I'll hold on to it again because I think something's going to happen to make a play. And, again, that's the, the, the level I'm trying to hold Aaron Rodgers to. 
You know, and, and I don't know, maybe we have to adjust that level, but it rings hollow to all the things you said, and then when you're not playing at a high level either, and you're making $50 million a year, that's what's going to annoy people in the locker room too. Well, and, and I think back to how this all came to a head in 2021. Yeah. He wants to be part of management. He wants to be consulted. He wants to have a say in these decisions. And I'm a firm believer. I've said this about Rodgers. I've said it about Russell Wilson. I've said it about other quarterbacks. You want, as an organization, your quarterback to be a quasi-member of management, a boss on the shop floor. You get the messages that the coaching staff wants communicated to the players. You do that through the quarterback. The quarterback's the conduit. It's what Tom Brady was kind of saying last week when explaining why he was yelling at the offensive lineman. That's what quarterbacks do. Not the running back, not the tight end. It's for the quarterback. You are the boss among the workers. So fine, Aaron, you want that kind of influence. You got to act accordingly. This isn't acting the way that management would want him to act. Unless the truth is he was put up to this by Matt LaFleur, and I doubt that he was. I have to question Matt LaFleur's management style. If his way of getting the message through to the players screwing up is to say to Aaron Rodgers, you go say it publicly, <laughs> and I'll just sit back. I mean, he's the coach. He's the one that needs to take it directly. So I'm, I, there's no way that Matt LaFleur put him up to this. My point is, if you want to be part of management, you have to be working off of the manual for how to properly manage, and this isn't it. No, it's definitely not it. And it feels like, you know, again, for, for to piggyback off of something I talked about already, it feels like, again, a guy that, yeah, he's not happy, and he's not happy that, you know, I think what he said after the Jets game maybe didn't get, you know, acted upon appropriately by or how he deemed appropriately by the coaching staff and the organization. I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. We're too, we're not, you know, we do this. This is a conversation we've had a lot. You know, we're, we need to be more simple. And then here we are a week later talking about guys making mistakes where that sounds like he's still not happy with the fact that it's not simple enough. And now he's gone a, st a step farther to go not simple enough. And the guys that aren't like, you know, doing things right all the time or consistently right, at least, they need to get off the field and, and we got to give other guys chances. You know, that, that to me, that's, yeah, that's, that's another level of the full court press here by him because I don't think he was happy with how last week shook out, let alone how the game shook out. The Packers are averaging 17 points per game this year. That's the fewest through the first seven games of Rodgers' career as a starter, and he's on pace for career worsts in two statistical categories. Yeah, where? Passing yards per game, 228.1, sure. and yards per attempt, right? 6.5 is his YPA for 2022. That isn't good either, and that it's leads to the next point, and here's another clip from Pat McAfee's show on the fact that Rodgers believes it's not him because his position coach has told him how great he was in that loss to the commanders on Sunday. Have a listen. Yeah, judge everything. Yeah. Um, every play, my own performance, all of it. I mean, this was my highest graded game by Tom, uh, which maybe people would be maybe surprised to hear. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, uh, 
Hobbiton next to you, a lot of drops, a uh, couple missed throws. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're behind the sticks, you know. We're second and 20, third and 25, first and 15s, way too many penalties, uh, you know, way too many drops. Highest graded game by Tom. That's Tom Clements, the quarterback's coach that he really wanted back. The organization had moved on from him, but this was part of the placate Aaron Rodgers movement. Let's bring back the guy that he wants to be his position coach, who says it was his highest graded game of the of, of the season. And he said it kind of laughingly, but he still made his point. He was sure to make his point that it's not me, it's others. My highest graded game of the season. So somebody else is out there whose performance or lack thereof is keeping me from being as great as I can be. And Chris, when I heard that, it reminded me of your take on where Aaron Rodgers currently is. He's got these tremendous statistical career achievements, and that's all he can hang his hat on in the debate over he's the greatest ever. And he doesn't want to undermine them with a bad year statistically that starts chipping away. Oh, we had a pick six this year. Oh, we got more interceptions. We don't want more interceptions. Got to keep that ratio. Touchdown to interception ratio down. Can't have interceptions. That cuts into the ratio. I'll go without touchdowns if it means going without interceptions because that holds the ratio where it is. And and I can't help but wonder whether that explains why he seems to be so careful this year. He's protecting what he's built so he'll have that argument that he was the best. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you know that that's my thought. It, it certainly seems like that. And again, I mean – you know, there, there's politics of the position, and I think that's what he is doing a little bit there. Yeah, he's protecting his legacy and protecting what's his instead of at times where I come through just going, no, maybe you just got to do what you got to do to win this football game. And within that, you might have to take a few more chances. Okay, yeah, you might lose, but, you know, go down swinging. And to me, that's what the great ones are doing right now. And again, as Matt I, Ryan, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, Matt Ryan, right? His his arm is shot, and he's doing whatever he has to do, hanging in the pocket. Exactly, that's whatever why I was singing his praises. Exactly right. I mean, yes, it wasn't working good. He didn't have support around him, and his you said it, his talent shot, but he was making the most of it and hanging in there to the the last second every play, waiting for somebody to come open before he got killed. You know, and that's I think that's what we're saying with Rodgers. And then you know, again, to our point here. Well, you, you know, the, the league is just set up to be aggressive, throwing the football. It's pass interference, almost, you know, hey, you touched the receiver's shoulder. Oh, you held the ball long and you got touched on the shoulder. Unnecessary, nothing the passer. Okay, first down. I mean, let alone we know the offenses and the receivers are as good as we've ever seen here in the NFL. So, you know, that's where I just think he's dropping the ball, and that's where I just think, yes, if, if Green Bay is going to – inject themselves into the we're a Super Bowl contender team I think he's got to start playing a little bit more with his hair on fire and and taking more chances and being aggressive and putting pressure on teams right now they're, they're nobody's scared of Green Bay on that side of the ball and they get to play downhill because they know every throw is going to be three or four yards down the field this goes back to Devontae Adams this came up the other night the video that we do in the third quarter Jason Garrett Coach Dungy, Coach Garrett, Coach Dungy, two coaches now, and Maria Taylor and me, the the question of who's to blame for the Packers. And I go all the way back to the failure of the Packers to put an offer on the table to Devontae Adams during, toward the end of the 2021 season, an offer like they did when he first became a free agent. Big offer, can't say no, 
end of discussion. Forget about your Las Vegas dreams. You're going to stay here. We're going to pay you well. We're going to make this work. They let that get too far. They let him get Las Vegas in his head, and he's gone. And who's replacing him? Who does Aaron Rodgers trust? And what has Aaron Rodgers done to develop trust? I I know we've said this time and again, but I have another reason to mention it. Because Coach Dunsey said something that, that really caught my attention. I mentioned this the other day when you were in your hammock. Yeah. Now, you're not in your hammock on Monday. You're in your hammock on Friday. You know, we, we, I, I constantly say, where were you, Aaron, for the offseason program if you want to get on the same page right. with these guys? Why didn't you bring these guys somewhere? To put in the extra time to work with them, to get to know them, to get to the point where you know how they break out of their route. You know where you can put the ball. You know how you can trust them. It isn't something that gets accelerated and mashed together at training camp. Here's what Dungey said. When they were going through some transition in the receiving core with the Colts, right? Peyton Manning would get in his car on the weekends and drive to Columbus to throw passes to Anthony Gonzalez. Because there was that weird rule at the time where certain schools, they couldn't join the team for right. off-season workouts right. until after exams. Right. Ohio State was one of them. Oregon was another one. Yeah. They changed that rule now. So... Peyton Manning would get in his car and drive to Anthony Gonzalez, not private jet, get in his car and drive so he could work with this guy who was going to be coming in that year as a rookie. Why? Because that's what you do as a leader of a team if you give a crap about trying to get to the point where you trust these guys. Plain and simple. And Rodgers will deny there's any connection because it it defies him doing whatever he wanted to do in the offseason. And it wasn't getting comfortable with these receivers and having them get comfortable with him. He thought it would all get done in training camp, and it didn't. And it's not getting done in the regular season. And he's to blame for this partially, not not completely, because they should have kept Devontae Adams. But post-Adams, Chris, it's on him for not doing everything he can to get to the point where he trusts the guys he'd be throwing the ball to. Yeah, Mike, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I couldn't. First off, I mean, as a quarterback, I couldn't imagine missing OTAs and not being there. I can't. I don't, that that's like not even like in my my brain process. Nor do I think would it be in in Peyton Manning's brain process or a lot of quarterbacks. Again, we don't. Again, I, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers. We're in year what is it, eighteen, nineteen? I can't remember now. But you know, hey, again, we we don't hear these type of things with Josh Allen or Mahomes or anything like that. The guys that are at the top of the sport right now, clearly at the top of the sport. Like it's not even close. And that, that doesn't make sense. And, Mike, I mean, I go back to, you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched it, like, you know, the, the Ayahuasca podcast with uh, Aubrey Marcus and all that. It was great, and it was great. But the one thing that, like, rings to me here, at least as, as far as what he said in that, was he just, he gives zero Fs anymore. He gives zero Fs. That's what he said. And I, I feel like that's what it's showing. Like, yeah. He's kind of like, hey, I'm at the end of the career, and I'm going out on my terms. I'm, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy this and say what I want and do whatever. And it just it feels that way. And that's cool, all right? And it's great for us to talk about, and everyone can talk about it on social media, but it's not good for a football team. And that's really what it comes back to. And there's no way that what he said yesterday is a positive thing for the Packers as they go into their work week and one of the biggest games they've had in the regular season in the last few years.
Yeah, this is the continuation of the transformation of Aaron Rodgers from guy who was afraid of any and all criticism. Yeah, right. To this this heel turn where he accepts that some will love him, some will hate him. Yeah. But he's he's struggling to get that balance right, Chris. Well, he's getting the people that love him to actually hate him, too. That, that's that's, <laughs> that's what's the, happening. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. That's, there was the ones on both sides of the fence, and I'm going, wait, here's the hate side and here's the love side. And, and unfortunately, the way you've acted here a little bit, some of the ones that were on the fence and leaning towards the love side, have they've fallen off and gone on to, okay, you're annoying, and, you know, damn, maybe it's time for you to go away. And that's what he's in danger of. And that's, I don't want to see that. I I don't because I've respected his honesty and the way he's handled himself in a lot of ways and different than, you know, a lot of uh, franchise quarterbacks. But yeah, as a guy that roots for him and if I could talk to him, I'd go, yeah, I think you're going too far now. I do. It it reminds me of how I would explain my past life as a lawyer who was in litigation and trial work. Half the people I dealt with on a regular basis basis hated me half the people I dealt with on a regular basis loved me and my primary job was to ensure that the people who were supposed to love me continued to love me that's the key anything you're in that is inherently polarizing your goal is to play to the ones who are supposed to love you the ones who hate you are going to hate you no matter what right the ones who love you are the ones you need to take care of and he's jeopardizing if he's losing you Chris man the mighty have around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud, the Marines. Fall. All right. Uh, let's pivot to the other bizarre controversy in the National Football League. The quarterback position for the New England Patriots. Fresh from Monday night's 33-14 to loss to the Chicago Bears. Bill Belichick appearing on the Greg Hill Show on WEEI, Chris's favorite local radio station on the entire planet. Here's <laughs> Belichick talking about whether he told the team that he was planning to have two quarterbacks play in that Monday night loss to the Bears. I talked to the quarterbacks, talked to the leaders of the team. Everybody knew what the plan was. I mean, not every single person, obviously. I wouldn't talk to every person about another player's role in the game. That's just, like, they all have their jobs to do, but there was no lack of communication. He acknowledges in that response there's a chance that the message didn't trickle down to the likes of, oh, I don't know, Ramondre Stevenson, one of the most important players on offense. Jacoby Myers, one of the most important players on offense because both of them said after the game, we didn't know anything about two-quarterback plan. What are you right. talking about? It's amazing to see that the Stepford Patriots got malfunctioning after that game. Like, shouldn't they have known? Man, we should. Yeah, yes, we knew. Yes, we – yes, if Bill did it, we knew. <laughs> it's something's off with the Patriots and something's off with Belichick. He's rattled by this whole thing. I still want to know what the hell's going on. He was asked yesterday, who's your starting quarterback or no, is it Mac Jones? If he's healthy? Well, I'm not going to answer hypothetical. What kind of hypothetical is that? 
What kind of hypothetical is that? We do have that sound. Let's let's go ahead and listen yeah. to okay, cool. Belichick. I skipped over. I skipped. I'm sorry. It's on me. It's my mistake. I'm willing to admit that it's my mistake. Not that somebody else is making a mistake 20% of the time. It's me making the mistake 20% of the time. Here's Belichick talking about whether or not Mac Jones will be the starter if healthy. Is it fair to say if he's healthy, he's the starter? Uh, again, th- that's a hypothetical question. So let's let's see, you know, where that is and what that is. Was Mac Jones healthy enough to play the entire game last night? Yeah. Well, that that didn't happen. So that's another hypothetical question. Health was one of the reasons why he came out of the game, but. <clears throat> He made mention of the fact that he felt pretty good last night when we spoke to him. Right. Yeah, but that was that wasn't seventy plays. I mean, he, he's taking liberties with the term hypothetical. Was he healthy enough to finish the game? Well, he didn't, so it's hypothetical. What are you talking about? That's not hypothetical. He didn't finish the game. Why didn't he finish the game? Was it a health issue? That's hypothetical because he didn't finish the game. Does he have any idea how stupid that sounds? I, I I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're trying to get accomplished up there. I don't, you know. And again, there's a part of me that thought uh, the way the game ended, and the way that when Bailey Zappi looked on Monday night, especially when it became, all right, now we we got to break out of the mold of how we beat Detroit and how we beat Cleveland, which was. We just uh, demolished them in the run game and had the most easy pass looks in the history of football. And Bailey Zappi looked good. You know, I thought that was the one thing after the other night that was kind of exposed. Like Bailey Zappi, hey, yes, you know, everything's good when he can manage the game and they're dominant in the run game. But as soon as we got to like depend on him to, whoa, you got to make some plays and you know you got to push the envelope a little bit. And I thought that was pretty apparent that it, it, it's not that easy for Bailey Zappi. There's a difference between him and Mac Jones. There is. And again, even on some of the completions we saw the other night, they weren't all that impressive either. But these are like mistakes that, you know, again, I know Mac Jones is throwing some interceptions, but these, you know, there, there was some bad balls, some bad decisions, you know, looking small and, and you know, and not adequate in the pocket at times. So that's where I'm surprised they didn't just go, no, when Mac Jones is healthy, he's back. He's the starter. But to your point, there's something there, and I don't know what it is. There's friction, and I don't know if they're also tactically trying to, you know, play with Mac's mind a little bit to get him to play better. I don't know, but it just all seems odd to, to what you're saying, Mike. I think at the root of this, it's this idea that, Mac's not happy about the shift from Josh McDaniels to Matt Patricia. It seems like judge. it. Right. And I think he said just enough that has gotten back to just enough people that it's pissed off Bill Belichick. That's what it seems And now like. we've got right. this Shakespearean drama. You know, and this is the guy who kept Malcolm Butler, who at the time was his best corner, on the sidelines for the entirety of a Super Bowl, but for a special teams play. To prove a point. We still don't know what point he was trying to prove, but his boat would be nine rings now, not eight rings, if he had played Malcolm Butler in that game. His desire to prove a point to one person overcame his desire to win a Super Bowl. And that just gets forgotten. See, when you have risen to the top of your profession and you have all those pelts, 
on the wall and pelts on the horse. You got so many pelts, you can put them in both places, Chris. <laughs> then no one ever questions you. Well, why? Why? Why are you immune from ever being questioned just because you managed to navigate multiple past football seasons in a way that resulted with your fingerprints on the Lombardi Trophy? Why does that immunize you from scrutiny? That's the kind of hubris that isn't conducive to any organization. He had enough of it to bench Malcolm Butler when he needed him most. And now this this notion that he's in charge and he's going to prove a point to Mac Jones because how dare Mac Jones not be happy with the the dramatic drop in offensive coaching ability from Josh McDaniels to a couple of guys who have never been offensive coaches? How dare he not be happy that his career is being undermined by not having a high-quality offensive coach? I, I think that's the root of it, Chris. And now Bill Belichick's out there proving points, playing games, pulling strings, showing everybody who's boss to the detriment of the team. Well, I, yeah, to the de- it is. It's shocking that way. And again, in a week where it's the Jets week, it's the Jets, the team, a team that's right now two games ahead of them in the division. And yeah, this is the number one story, certainly. And, you know, and again, I, you know, Bill and, and the way they do things there, it's top notch. I mean, we know that it is, but yeah, things seem off. Certainly. It does. And, you know, everybody do your job, and I understand that, but uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it seems wishy-washy right now where we are with this subject. And where I want to go is Mac Jones, you know, he didn't look like he re-injured himself the other night. So then he doesn't play in the second half. He's going to be, you know, much farther along this week than he was last week. Plus, I would think now, I mean, he's going to be able to take real live reps and practice, and you don't have to worry about anything to where I would think you would want to make a decision and, and go with it. I, I know he didn't play great the other night. You know, yeah, the game was moving faster on him. It was the first time he was out there in a while. He left the pocket early a few times. This was a stupid decision. He's made stupid decisions, you know, early in the year before he got hurt. But at the same time, I, I just, I'm shocked that, yeah, we're kind of like on this seesaw right now with going back and forth and that Bill hasn't made something more definitive as far as to get everybody off this conversation or topic so the team can focus on what it needs to focus on. I, I can't remember the details of the reporting from Seth Wickersham, but remember after the fact there was the report about just whatever was going on between Brady and Garoppolo and Belichick dumped Garoppolo and – there was pressure from the crash. Right. Right. Yeah. I, like, I feel like Wickersham's going to have a 10,000 word article on ESPN.com in a year or so, or if, if not sooner, that, that really gets to the bottom of all this crap. Cause, because it's more obvious this time around, there's some crap there to get to the bottom of. Whatever happened with Brady and Garoppolo, it wasn't quite as obvious. It's far more obvious now that there's something going on. Yeah, there's something Definitely going there's on. Something going I don't on. know the exact details, but I know from people that are in the know that there is something there as far as friction along the lines of what you're talking about. You know, I haven't like dug into the subject, and I'm not trying to find out every detail. I, I, but, but to your point, and you know, I know you've been saying it for weeks. And it kind of just organically kind of fell on my lap last week uh, talking to somebody. But, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're going down the right road here. And that's where, you know, again, Mac Jones obviously was not happy about the decision or something there as far as the offensive coordinator, how that shook out. And I think you laid it out right. 
You know, he either complained to Belichick too much about those two or complained to Kraft about Belichick and the Patricia Judge thing. And, yes, it's caused Or complained some, to others and it got back to Belichick. Or it got I back. think that's what happened. Yeah, maybe. Whatever exactly Mac right. Jones did right. got back to Belichick right. and pissed Belichick off. Right, right. It, it, it seems that way. It does. And he's kind of out of the trust tree right now. And, yeah, he's then you add on Mac didn't play well before he got hurt and made some big mistakes and some big moments. Moments, it, it feels like he's kind of sticking it to him right now, just from a two guys like us on the outside looking in. And I, I keep thinking back to last year. Cam Newton's a starter. Cam Newton's a starter. Cam Newton's a starter. Oh, wait, we're going with Mac Jones. Get Cam Newton out of here. I think because we, we have to have one quarterback. That's what makes this so odd. Yeah, right. That's Belichick what... understands you got to have one quarterback, and now he's got two. I think he's crazy to not, you know, go ahead and, and make. The, just go with Mac Jones. I mean, again, he's the, 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 you picked him in the top 20. It was the 15th pick of the draft. As a rookie, he played really well. And at a point last year, we were in what, week 12, week 13, going, the Patriots, I think, are maybe the best team in football. He was playing phenomenal. They go to the playoffs. You know, again, gets a curveball thrown onto him that, you know, is unlike any we've ever seen. And I know you're supposed to trust the head coach and all that and everything that way in, in football world. But, yeah, losing McDaniels and, wait, a special teams coach, the defensive coach are going to be my offensive coordinator this year? You know, that that is weird. You know, should he have talked about Belichick or that situation behind their back or whatever happened? No, he shouldn't have. He should have been careful there to know that that might get back to him. But at the same time, I just can't believe, like, Bill would do this to himself or his team right now. You know, I would think, you know, again, it's a guy. He's going through some growing pains. He's going through a new approach. Like, let's stick with him. Make him the guy. And like you said, limit the distractions and have the team formulate around, you know, the, the sergeant general and your quarterback. It's just amazing how the Patriots post Brady, they'll go through these stretches where, and, and maybe, maybe it's our inability. This is the flip side of, you know, it takes time to process that the Bengals aren't bad anymore. It takes time to process when a bad team becomes good. You look at the uniform and you, 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 your brain doesn't want to register that they're good now. Maybe it's the same thing with the Patriots, that we see that uniform and we, we can't, we can't accept that they're yeah. not great. So we just keep thinking, oh, it's just a matter of time before they're great. And it did happen last year. They got better and better and better as the season went on, and then they got blown out by the Bills in the wild card round, and a lot of people forgot that they were getting very good as the season went on. They beat the Bills in that Monday night game. Now the wind was an issue, and the, yeah, Bills, right. the Bills didn't deal with it the way they should have. They mimicked the Patriots game plan instead of just letting Josh Allen go out there and throw through the wind, which he would have been able to do if right. they just would have let him. Right. Different point altogether. But I, I feel like you know, may, maybe we're, we're, we're kind of expecting that the Patriots are going to be better than they are, and maybe that's adding to this this weirdness that's going on because we just expect that they're going to figure it out the right way. Maybe they're just like any other team right now, middle of the pack. And these are the issues that middle of the pack teams have. Well, well, this is where it feels weird in this one, because I think we were having the feeling of what you're talking about. We're going, uh Oh, it looks like the Patriots kind of got things going here in the right direction. They're kind of playing good football on both sides here. I mean, doing some special things here to where we go, you know, we talked about it for what, three weeks, the run game. It might be the hottest in football. The defense, shutting down Cleveland, the, you know, one of the best running teams in football. Detroit 
It's the highest scoring offense in football. They can't do Jack Diddley squat. So everything seemed like it was going your way. And what's weird here, and I think it's it's kind of what we're saying, is it feels like Belichick messed up the momentum for the first time ever. It just it feel that's where it's weird. Like I said yesterday when we started the show, I it just it seemed like when I heard Mac Jones might play or they might split time, I just went, man, it just seems like weird for New England to take this approach. We didn't hear about it all week. It doesn't sound like he practiced fully, and now we're into wait, he's going to play all of a sudden, or oh wait, they're both going to play. And it, I just feel like it messed up the mojo of the football team a little bit and just the energy around the football team altogether. And now they're in this no man's land because of this conversation at quarterback. And now they got the, the five and two jets. Uh, what, what a strange reversal where the jets are the team that is doing well. And the Patriots are trying to figure it all out. All right. When we return, we're going to try to figure out what in the world was going on between Buccaneers receiver, Mike Evans and a couple of officials after Sunday's game because nobody is giving anybody a straight answer. We'll try to make sense of it when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 